You ready to talk about the good stuff? So the best stuff happened last weekend, right? Jesus gave his life for us, raised from the dead. But now we're going to spend several weeks talking about the good stuff that Jesus produced. And so I get to kick off this series this morning. Uh, As a parent, I think that uh, one of the best times, but also the most challenging times of my life, has been raising kids. Anybody else? Good, love it, joyful, but very, very challenging at times, right? And now I get the joy of grandkids, and grandkids are fun because you get to send them back home. Sugar them up, send them home. And the thing that's true about all kids is that they long to be seen. I think all kids just long to be connected with. I was talking with a couple of babies, in fact, Bria this morning, and and there's this instant connection, like they look at you, and they want to be connected to you, right? And here's a picture of my daughter with her baby, Noni. This is our latest grandchild, and you can see here the connection between these two. I mean, she, Noni is just living for this moment, and it doesn't matter who it is, really. I mean, her mom, I think, gets the most out of her, but it doesn't matter. Grandma gets a lot out of her, too, and there's this connection that happens between uh, child and an adult because they want to be connected. They long to be connected. And the power of connection begins very, very young. Part of my training was in child development, and so I can tell you that, that there's synapses that are firing when this happens. There, there are things being connected in the brain as child connects with adult. It's crazy that uh, these times of connection actually result in a fully functional brain. And if you don't get that connection when when you're young, there can be challenges as you grow older. So whether it's talking baby talk or whether it's cheering as they take the first step or whether it's uh, cheering as they conquer the play set, uh, you know, there's these three words that I remember hearing a lot. Watch me, right? Look at me. Watch me. This is Trilby, our other granddaughter, and she's climbing the play set. She gets the church perks next door. So, Pastor Perks, right? And so she's climbing the play set, and while she's climbing, she'll look around. What is she looking for? She's looking to see if Hope is watching, right? She's looking to see that I'm watching her. And in fact, just last week, she said, Opa, look at me. Look at me. She wants to be, to be seen. She wants to be connected with. And that's what Easter really is all about. That's the good stuff of Easter, that Jesus died and rose again to connect us to God. If you want to talk about the main over, overlying um, reason for Easter, reason for Jesus doing what he did, it was this very thing, that he died and he rose again to connect us to God, that we would be connected to him. He reconnected and redeemed all of creation, the whole world. Think about this. For God so loved the world, right? We sang it this morning. The whole world has the potential to be connected back to their creator through what Jesus Christ did last weekend as we celebrated him. It's awesome. But there's something else I want you to notice today as we talk about the good stuff. And that is that in the middle of this most powerful day in history, you might argue the most important day on the planet, the salvation of millions of people over thousands of years, and truly the redemption of the whole world, not just people, but the world will be redeemed through what Jesus did. All of creation, in the midst of all this, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. And I don't know if you think about that often or think about that very much. But are you aware that no matter what's going on in your life today, Jesus sees you? And maybe your heart is crying out, Jesus, look at me. Watch me. And I want you to know that he's responding to your heart's cry. And in the middle of all this huge work of redemption and the buying back of millions of souls, Jesus is able to focus in on you 
And that's the good stuff of salvation. That's the good stuff of what Jesus did. Jesus wants to connect with you, which is great because I think just like kids, I think there's something in my heart that says, Jesus, look at me, right? Jesus, look at me. Jesus, watch me. Jesus, enter into what's happening in my life this week. So I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. Now, on that first Easter, Jesus could have been doing a lot of really, really important things. I don't know if you've thought this through, but what are some of the things Jesus could have been doing on Easter morning after he rose from the dead? He maybe could have been getting reconnected with the Father because, you know, they were separated for three days. Only time in eternity that this ever had happened. And Jesus could have been spending some time with Dad. He hasn't been with him for a few days, right? Or he could have been having a board meeting with the angels, talking to them about salvation. This was new to the angels. He could have been having a board meeting. He could have been telling them what it was like to carry the sins of the world upon his body. He could have been doing a lot of really, really important things. He could have been going back to the temple that day and, and confronting the Pharisees and see, saying, Hey, look, I'm alive. Wouldn't that have been fun, right? Go to the temple and say, you killed me, but I'm back. (laughs) Death cannot hold me down. But what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? A lot of important things he could have been doing. But here's what he was doing on Easter morning. He was hanging around the tomb, waiting for his friend Mary to show up so that he could reveal himself to her and he could encourage her and he could let her know that he was alive. That's what he was doing on Easter morning. He was caring about Mary. And who was on his mind when he told the angel to tell Mary to go get the disciples? Who was on his mind? He didn't just say, go get the disciples. He said, go get the disciples. And then he said, be sure to tell Peter. Now think about this. What's the last thing Jesus saw Peter doing before he died? Denying him, right? Denying him in the Garden of Gethsemane three times and the rooster crows. It's a famous story. But now Jesus says, tell the disciples to come back. And then he tells the angel to tell the the women, make sure you let Peter know. Make sure you let Peter know. And, And what does that say to us? What does that say to us? That we can have shame in our life, that we can have guilt in our life. You have to know that Peter really didn't want to have to face Jesus again, right? And yet he did. He desperately wanted to. And so you have to know that what this says to us is that Jesus doesn't let shame and guilt get in the way of his desire to be connected to you. That's the thing we must remember. We've got to remember that Jesus desires connection and reconnection with you when sin has gotten in the way. He sees you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what shame you carry, no matter what guilt you carry, listen, I've I've carried my own. I know this to be true. That Jesus sees you and he wants to be connected to you, no matter what. Well, and then what? The day isn't over yet, right? Then he appears to this guy named Cleopas. Who's Cleopas? Has anybody ever heard of Cleopas except in this one story? You never hear about him. He's walking on the road to Emmaus with another guy. This is Easter Sunday. You'd think Jesus would be other places doing important things, but he shows up on the road to Emmaus, this dusty journey with this couple of guys. And here's where I want to pick up the story today in Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bible with you today or or, uh, watch the screen with us, online, whatever you're doing, get your phone out. But let's read this story. This is remarkable to me, what Jesus chooses to do on Easter Sunday. Luke 24:13. That same day, 
Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. You know, here's the thing that I take away from this story as we think about what Jesus was doing on that famous Sunday. And it's this, that Jesus sees you on your dusty road. Jesus sees you on your journey, and Jesus wants to join you on your journey. And I know this sounds elementary, but how many of us wonder where Jesus is when we're on a dusty road, a dusty journey, a hard time in our life? We wonder where he is. And I'm telling you, what Jesus wants is to join you on your journey. And you may not even be aware of him, but he is with you. And somebody needs to hear that today. You know, I sat with two families this last week, both who had suffered loss in their lives, and another family uh, that had suffered loss several weeks ago. And I'm telling you, in those moments, you feel very, very alone. And I want to remind you today that Jesus is with you. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows what you're going through. And Jesus joins you on your journey. Now, you won't always recognize him. These two didn't recognize Jesus. You won't always even know or be aware that he's there. But I want to assure you that he is with you and he's walking the dusty road with you. And that's not all he's doing. He's asking questions. Look at this, verse 17. Jesus begins to ask them questions, engaging them in conversation. And he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Now, he knew, right? Did Jesus know what they were discussing? Of course, he's God. And they stopped short, and sadness was written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. Now, think about that just for a second. Jesus is like, it happened to me. Like, I'm the one that was hanging on the cross. Thank you very much. I'm the one that spent three days in a tomb. Right? And they say this to him, and Jesus, I love Jesus. He's playful. He's sarcastic sometimes. I like a little sarcasm. It's how I relate best. And you don't, you really don't know all that's going on in my head all the time. You don't want to know. But a little sarcasm from Jesus. He's like, what things? What things happened? Tell me about it, right? What things happened? And I just love how Jesus plays along with them. And why does he do this? He does this because he wants to hear from them. Now think about this. When you think about prayer, you often ask yourself, why would I pray? Jesus knows. It's because of this. Jesus wants you to pray because he wants you to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your heart. He wants you to share about the things that are happening in your life. It's good for you, and he knows that. This is good for you. And so we pray because Jesus wants to hear what's going on in our lives. And so they go on to tell Jesus all the things that have happened, right, the last few days. They, they let him know what's happened to him. They still don't know he, who he is, right? And they get to the part where his body is missing and the angel says he's alive, but they just don't know. And then Jesus takes the time to explain it to them. Again, these are a couple of unknowns. These aren't even the 12. And here they are on this dusty road in verse 25. Jesus says to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? 
And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning themselves. Jesus takes the time to explain to these guys on their dusty road all of the scriptures and all of the prophecies and what has happened in his life that has brought them to this day. What was really going on behind the cross and behind the tomb. Jesus takes the time. And a couple of things I want us to notice here because I'm building the character of Jesus for you, okay? I'm really wanting you to understand who Jesus is in the sense of our personal relationship with him and what you can expect from him. And there's a couple of things to notice from this interchange. And the one is that Jesus allows suffering. Jesus allows suffering. Now, suffering is what makes us feel like, like he's not around sometimes. But I want you to know he allows suffering even for himself, but it's in the suffering that Jesus is most likely to be known. We know him best in our suffering. You know, it's, it's blessed are those who mourn, you know, blessed are those who mourn. And so Jesus allows suffering, and these, these disciples that he's talking to, they were going to experience even more suffering, but what Jesus does promise is he promises his presence, He doesn't say, I'm going to take away all your suffering, but he does say, I'll be with you. Just like I'm with you on this dusty road today, I'll be with you in all of your suffering. And for somebody here today, you you just need to know that and you need to invite him into your suffering. You're going through some tough stuff and you just need to know that Jesus wants to be on that road with you. And he is, but he needs to be invited into your suffering and he wants you to do that. And so Jesus cares Jesus really cares that we completely understand, we completely comprehend who he is because it helps us to know him better. And so he took these two guys through all of the scriptures concerning himself. Can you imagine that? So number one in your notes today, Jesus cares that we comprehend, that we really comprehend who he is. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about what you can expect from your Savior, the good stuff that Jesus has for you. Now, comprehend means to really grasp or to completely understand. And and Jesus wants us to really know him. And that's why I want to spend a few minutes talking about the good stuff, about who he is and what he's given us through his death and resurrection. He wants us to really trust his character. He doesn't want us to, like, get resentful of him or to back away from him when we're going through hard things. No, that's the very time that Jesus wants us to know him and to enter in. And to let him enter in with us. That he really does desire that. Jesus, the creator, the savior, the redeemer of all the world, wants to enter in to your life. Every minute of every day. A couple weeks ago, Steve said, you know, we get heaven with Jesus forevermore. But that's not not the, the whole thing. That's not everything that we get. The good stuff begins here on this planet. Jesus wants to live and walk with us. Jesus clearly cares about his followers. You know what he does next? He goes home with these guys. Like he doesn't end the conversation and disappear. He goes home with them and he has some food with them. And while he's breaking the bread, they realize who it is that they've been talking to. As he's breaking the bread, you get this? As he's breaking the bread, his body, as he's breaking the bread, they realize that the lights come on and he's revealed to them and they understand who it is that's been talking to them. 
And it's like us. When we get to the end of our journey, our dusty road, our, our difficult time in life, we look back and we, and we see, don't we? We see that Jesus was with us the entire time. And my goal for you is that we see that, not just at the end of our journey, but we see that every day of our journey. That we see that Jesus is with us. Verse 35 Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking down the road and how they'd recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. Make sure I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands. And he showed them his feet. And still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, and here's a funny question from Jesus. Do you have anything to eat? It's hard work dying on a cross. You know, it's hard work spending three days in a tomb. I'm hungry. What do you got? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, of course. And he ate it as they watched. Now, I'm not going to get into what that means for us with our heavenly bodies, our glorified bodies. I really don't know for sure, but I like good food, don't you? kind of hoping there's good food in heaven, curry and, you know, different things. Here's the point. I'm, I'm driving this home. Okay, Jesus takes the time to show up in a small group simply to comfort and encourage his followers. Again, he could have been a, a hundred other places. He even ate a piece of fish to convince them that he was truly flesh and blood, that it was him, that it was not a ghost. Now, one disciple wasn't there. Who knows who that was? Thomas. Thomas was not there. And Thomas had earned the great distinction of being called Doubting Thomas. Because he doubted that Jesus really had risen. But here's what I want you to notice. Again, like Peter, Jesus doesn't discard Thomas. He doesn't say, you bad disciple. How can I ever trust you again? Because you didn't believe. You didn't have faith. He doesn't discard him. In fact, a week later, Jesus comes back. He makes a special point of coming back to this small group. And he meets Thomas where he's at. Why? Because number two, Jesus cares that we're completely convinced that he's alive. Jesus cares that at your darkest time, you believe he's alive. Jesus cares that when you've said goodbye to a loved one that's gone on before you, that you are completely convinced that Jesus is alive and Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. Jesus cares that we're completely convinced he's alive and he'll take the time to prove it to us. Now, When Thomas was told of Jesus' resurrection, he made this statement that's now famous. And this is the statement that earned him his nickname. How would you like to be remembered of all the disciples as doubting, put your name in the blank, doubting Kurt? How would you like that? You're in the Bible as doubting Thomas. That's who you are forever, right? Of all the things you could be remembered for. Let's read about it. Verse 25. Thomas said, unless... I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, I want to point something out here. This is three, this is three days in the tomb, right? 
And now a week later, a week has passed. And these are not scars yet. These are, these are still, Bible calls them prints or marks in his hands that you could actually put your finger in. And eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Again, flesh and blood body, but able to pass through walls. I don't know. Tells you something about what we're going to be like in heaven, possibly. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Now that's a little bit graphic, right? But that's what Jesus told Thomas to do. And do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. That was his moment where he believed. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now the point is this, that Jesus came back for Thomas. And I just have to say to you today, that's good news for somebody. Somebody in the room, somebody watching online. It's good news to know that Jesus would come back for the one who said, I will never believe unless he proves it to me. Jesus came back for him. And to extrapolate that, Jesus will come back for you. Jesus comes back for you, comes back for you, even when. Even when you've had little faith, even when you've doubted, even when you've squandered your life, Jesus will come back for you. And Jesus will prove himself to you. Jesus will do what it takes to bring you to the place where you say, my Lord and my God. And he cares enough to do that. And that's one of the things I love about Jesus. And that's the good stuff of Jesus, right? He came back for Thomas. He didn't discard him, but he came back to convince him that he was alive. He made a special appearance for Thomas to believe. And I want to say that Jesus doesn't discard us when we're weak. Jesus meets us where we're at. How many of you have been weak in your faith? Let me see. Ever? I have. I've had those moments of weakness where I say, wow, what do I really believe? And Jesus has proven himself to me every time. He meets us where we're at. But here's the thing. He does say that there's a blessing if you do believe without having to see. Without having to have him prove it to you. Jesus says there's a blessing for you who have not seen and yet believe. And that's the case for many of us in this room. He generally doesn't make special appearances anymore to let you put your finger in his nail prints. Generally, that I've never heard of that happening with anybody else. But he will prove himself to you. And one of the ways he's done that, one of the good things that he's done, of, of all the good stuff we could talk about, one of the good things he's done, probably the best thing he's done since his ascension, is he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to convince us to believe, to convict us of our need for him, and to be within us constantly. You see, we don't have to wait for Jesus to show up in a room anymore. We don't have to wait for him to show up at a tomb anymore. His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, lives in us and is always convincing us of the good stuff about God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus said in John 16:7, I tell you the truth, 
It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, my experience as a follower of Christ is that it's easy to feel alone sometimes. Especially when you're going through hard things. And I spent this last week with some of you going through some incredible times of loss with family members. But Jesus didn't leave us alone. His Holy Spirit was in us, comforting us. His Holy Spirit was reminding us that we're going to be together again for eternity. There's hope that the Holy Spirit brings. He lives in us every day of our life as we face challenges. This is good stuff. This is the good stuff that the cross and the resurrection produced. That Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. In fact, he told his disciples, it's better if I leave you. And they're like, yeah, right. We like you, Jesus. We want you here. We trust you. You do miracles. You feed us. You get us out of scrapes. You know, all kinds of things. Jesus is like, no, trust me. It's better. It's gooder for you if I go away because I'm going to send you the good Holy Spirit. And he is going to connect you to me. And that's number three. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is that Jesus cares that we're connected to him. Now, Jesus doesn't disconnect from us. I just want to make that clear. The Holy Spirit, if you're saved, does not ever disconnect from you. He's in you. He lives in you. We are the ones that do the disconnecting. We are the ones that pull away. We are the ones that distance ourselves from God because we're resentful or we're hurt or he let something happen that we wonder why. And so we pull away from God. And Jesus doesn't want us to do that, and the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to to press into him, into God, and and the Holy Spirit in us is the one that makes that happen. Now, Thursday night this week, I went to bed with a lot on my mind. I had some challenges at the house build that we're doing, and again, I had been through a bunch of things with a bunch of families over the last couple of weeks. So it was a heavy night. Um, on top of that, you know, just being part of the pain of, of people's lives, it, it, it can be burdensome at times. And so Thursday night was one of those times, and all of this woke me up at 1.30 Friday morning. Not a great night of sleep. And so I got up, as is my habit. When I wake up, I get up. And so I got up, and I turned on the fireplace, and I opened the scriptures. And, well, no, first let me be honest. I made coffee. And then I opened the scriptures... I wrote my devotional for you all to read, That whoever reads that. And after about an hour, I was sleepy enough to drift off again. You know that feeling where you're just kind of in between life and death, you know, awake asleep? And as I lay in the recliner, recliner with the fireplace on in that just about asleep state, I talked to Jesus. And I just said, you know, Jesus, thank you for entering in to my issues and my struggles. Thank you for being there for me. I'm sorry that I've been anxious. I'm sorry that my worry woke me up, but it did. And so thank you that you're here for me. You're with me. You're in me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I mean, that that's the conversation that I have with Jesus in those moments where I, I feel the weight of the world. I invite Jesus to meet me there. And the Holy Spirit who lives in me connects me 
to Jesus, connects me to God. And he does that for you as well. The Holy Spirit who lives in you. You can live in a constant state of connection. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. Be in a constant state of connection with your Father who loves you. And that's what Jesus wants for us. And that's why it was better for him to go away and send the Holy Spirit so that we could be in this constant state of connection with our Heavenly Father. It's one of the good stuff, one of the good things that Jesus does for us. And let me tell you what happened. As, as what happens every morning when I wake up this way, as I invited him in, as I reminded myself that he was with me, the worries sort of fell away. I began to see life clearly, and I began to receive the peace that Jesus had for me. And basically, it's simply Jesus saying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Touch my hands. You're going to be okay. And this is the truth for every person in this room, every person watching online. This is the truth for us, that we have the opportunity to invite Jesus to be a part of every, every situation that we're a part of. He said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is always here for us. This morning, like every Sunday morning for the last seven years since I've been lead pastor, as the band was rehearsing, I walked through every single row and touched every single chair and prayed over every single person that would be in this room. I've only missed that the times I've been on vacation. Walked through every row, touched every chair, and prayed for the Holy Spirit to connect you, that you would feel and be and pursue connection through the precious Holy Spirit that is part of our lives here at North County. And I did that because my prayer for you is the same prayer I have for myself, and that is that I would live in this state of connection through God, through the Holy Spirit in me, with my Heavenly Father who loves me, with Jesus who loves me. So it brings the great question, and I just want to close on this today. Where is Jesus? Who is or where is this Jesus that the Spirit is keeping us connected to? And what is he up to? What is Jesus doing? We discovered what he was doing on Easter Sunday. Well, what is he doing now? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 8, he says, He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Another version says, making intercession for us, talking to the Father about us. And primarily that's about our salvation, but I believe it also means that he's, he sees what we're going through. He acknowledges what you're struggling with, and he cares, and he's at the Father's right hand. And again, it brings me back to this picture of my daughter with her, with her little baby Winona. This is such a great picture of, you know, the Holy Spirit connecting with us and that connection being to the Heavenly Father. I mean, it's such a beautiful picture. That's, that's really, really what it is. It's, it's the Holy Spirit who lives in us, connecting us with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is saying to the Father, look at me in them. Look at me, Father. I'm in them. Look at me, Father. I paid the price for their sin. I died for them. They're on my mind. They are on my mind. So today, I think what I wanted you to leave this room with was just a reminder that you are on his mind. 
and, and some of us have forgotten this, or some of, this, some of us have just, you know, maybe distanced ourselves from the Lord because we've been hurt or felt resentment or what have you. And what I want to remind you of is that you are on his mind and that he wants to enter in to your journey every day, every moment. And if you could leave this place just being reminded of that and knowing that he cares about you, I think that would be a good thing. So if you'd bow your head with me this morning, I want to pray that over you today. As I have already prayed over the chair you're in, I want to make it personal. Now you're in the chair. And now I want to pray for you. Father, today I want to thank you for sending Jesus to love us. For sending Jesus to reconnect us to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to enter in to our every moment. And God, I I pray that we would leave this place today just being reminded. If we're in a tough place today, if we're in a hard place today, if we're sitting in grief or we're in a situation that we don't know what to do, we've had loss in our life, we've, we've had disappointment in our life. God, if we're at that place today, I pray that for every person here, every person listening online, God, I pray that we would invite you to enter into that place and join us on our journey. You're there already. You're in us already. But we pray that we would make the decision to welcome you and to be aware of you in whatever it is we're facing. We thank you that you are such a personal, loving Savior. And and God, I pray that you would move from our head knowledge into our heart more and more and more that we would realize it's relationship that you want. It's not knowledge. It's relationship that you want with us. And that we would give you more and more of that every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I would just love to close on this great worship song and enjoy some communal connection with him.